0: have your Bibles with you, turn to 1 Corinthians chapter 14. We're working our way through this incredible letter that Paul wrote to this church that he calls saints, yet he is helping them grow in their understanding. And this is one of those, because I'm going to say up front that what we get to talk about today are, are specific spiritual gifts. Really, I could have said today that that prophecy is greater than tongues. And you can say, huh? Right? I mean, that's kind of it. We want to have the sheer spirit show, but we're often put off by weirdness. That's why I'm calling this beyond the weird. Because in our society today, when you start talking about these things, it gets a little bit uncomfortable with weirdness. I remember, I'll share with you when I was a kid, I, I don't remember if it was late high school, very early college. I went with some friends to a service, and it was an evening service. It was late at night, and they are playing music. It was a revival service. They had somebody come in, and what he did was he had row by row, you came up front, and he walked down the row, and while people were making noises that I didn't understand, he would push on your head. I didn't realize that at first. I thought he was just laying his hands on the heads of people, so the person next to me got laid on their hand, and, and then and then the person went over. They were calling it slain in the spirit, and then they came to me, and I'm standing there. I'm tall, you know, and he, so he's kind of reaching up a little and putting his hand. and And you know what I felt? He was pushing me, you know, kind of pushing me. And so I resisted. You're not pushing me over. Eventually, I mean, everybody was going Eventually, I just forget it, and I just fell back, right? But, but but oh look, slain in the spirit. And in my heart, I was like, no, he was he was leveraging me. I understand physics. So I, I thought it was a little bit strange and funny, and, and that flavored how I thought about oh, Look, he's manipulating me, right? I can find people on TV, and they're speaking in tongues, and, 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 and they speak in a phrase that is a phrase, and then they interpret it themselves, and they say what it is, and then they say the same phrase, and they give a different interpretation. And I'm like, that's just, that, that's fake. And I start to get in my heart this sort of negative feel for these things. I went to an afterglow service once and it was, I don't know why it was called afterglow, but but there it was and someone stood up and said, I have a vision, I have a vision of a forest and a giant tree in the forest and the tree is huge and big with big bows and, and, and it's the Lord telling you, come to me and, and live under the, my bows. I think branches, I'm saying that wrong probably, I don't know. So that's that's true, but that's kind of a general statement you could say about anything. Why is that the specific message of the Lord for us? You see, I started going in my head about how I was suspicious about things that were just kind of weird to me. And I think perhaps it comes from this idea that we have to figure out how to do the Bible. We see those gifts are out there, we're supposed to desire them, so we we start trying to do them. Not really understanding perhaps what they are. The argument becomes whether these gifts, as I've described to you, are for today. And the examples I've just given you are from today. And I would say perhaps the answer to those things would be no, they should be quiet. But, but I'll tell you what, if I say yes, the gifts are for today, then you're seen condoning weirdness and fakery. If, 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 if I say no, these are not for today, then you're seen denying the Holy Spirit. And so I want you to go through this passage carefully with me. I want you to see the heart of Paul and what he's talking about the work of the Holy Spirit. I want you to see the Holy Spirit's at work, and at the end, I want you to agree on what what the gifts that he's talking about how how they're supposed to go, and and if the idea is can these gifts happen today, I want you to nod with me that yes, they can, in the way they're in the Bible. Okay, so so that's my goal for today that you would see it, and and this is I, I don't want you to just accept it and and again, this is beyond the weird. So I want to start today with an agreement. Will you start with an agreement that that the Holy Spirit is active and real and in us? No matter how you think that happens, we know that when we get saved, we get the Holy Spirit. You've got the Holy Spirit. That's supernatural. He's amazing. Uh, and, and, And so it's really important to reorient ourselves that we have him, that he's real, and he's in us. And second, I want you to see that when the Bible talks about these gifts, they're not made up. I want you to see that Paul's heart, as he talks to this church, he's talking to a church where the Holy Spirit is manifesting in ways. He's showing himself in some ways that are real. They're not the weirdness you see on TV. There's not the person who, because they think they're trying to do something in the Spirit, they're pushing you over and saying, oh, look at the Holy Spirit. It's real stuff happening in the Bible at this church, and it's real. These signs and wonders, perhaps more than, than they are today, to attest to Christ. And you see what the emphasis is for the ministry of the Holy Spirit. This is really important, because it'll help you with your emphasis of what you're desiring in your life. So we're going to go beyond the weird, and we're going to first talk about this spirit phenomena that, that, that they were asking questions. And you know, I've sat in this text all week, and my, my understanding of it is that they asked Paul a question, and if I were going to put money on it, I'd say it was a question about tongues, because that's where his focus is. So, man, what about this babbling tongue stuff? Are we supposed to be doing it? But, so, so here he goes and he's talking about and he's coming off of, we saw last week, the most excellent, amazing, by the law, by every word of God, that we should be lovers of each other. Love is the excellent way. So he says this in 14 verse 1. Pursue love. But, and, and, and earnestly desire the spiritual gifts, especially that you may prophesy. Okay, so the frame of this, chapter 13, we desire love, we, we fall down in it, right? It shows us that we're not who we are, but it's beautiful, and, and Jesus is love and for us. And one way that it comes out, he says, and you should desire these spiritually gifted stuff. It's a, it, it's a different word. It, it doesn't have gift in it per se. It's just spiritual things, these spiritual things. And particularly where he goes is he's focused on utterances. These are things that are spoken. So what he brings up, there are many gifts of the Spirit, many ways the Spirit acts, but these particular ways he's going to bring out just right now are ways that you get spoken stuff, stuff you hear, tongues and prophecy, the verbal expressions of the Holy Spirit. And This is what he says. For one who speaks in a tongue speaks not to men but to God. For no one understands him, but he utters mysteries in the Spirit. On the other hand, the one who prophesies speaks to people for their upbuilding and encouragement and consolation. The one who speaks in a tongue builds up himself, but the one who prophesies builds up the church. Now, I want you all to speak in tongues, but even more to prophesy. The one who prophesies is greater than the one who speaks in tongues. Unless someone interprets, so that the church may be built up. And so the two things he's going to talk about to the church at Corinth, about things that are happening at the church in Corinth, are about tongues and about prophecy. So a couple simple definitions. To prophesy. What is he talking about? When you say a prophecy, you think immediately of of future telling. And and it can be that. There is an element where that can be true. But, But to prophesy is to perform, according to Paul in this passage, we'll see it. To perform intelligible, articulate, communicative acts of speech, which have a positive effect on others and the community of believers. Can I make it that broad? I'm actually giving you a definition for one of the good Greek commentaries. That's what they call it. So the possibilities include like a foretelling of future or, or flashes of inspiration, but but they also seem to include God-given insight and wisdom and understanding, not spontaneous, but thought through using your mind. Okay, that's opposed to speaking in tongues. To speak in tongues is to produce speech or sound which which bypasses the mind, right? Expressive of delight or worship a love language to the Lord. So you're not thinking. There's no thought involved with it like, oh, I'm trying to say this and let me speak it out and it comes out with babble. No, no, no. So what we see from here, right, as he begins to speak is that prophecy, this truth telling in a mindful way is for a purpose. The Spirit has a purpose for it. This is what a lot of people miss because immediately you go right into how strange this stuff is. Think about the purpose that he's just given us right away. What is it? The purpose is the upbuilding and encouragement and consolation for the church, right? That, that's what it says there. And verse 3, it builds up the church. It's truth telling. It's not for the purpose of condemnation like, hey, I've got a condemnation for you that you would feel bad. It, it's for upbuilding and, and, and uplifting and, and, and encouragement and consolation that is so very much about what God in Christ has done for you. Versus tongues, which says, he says, speaks to God, right? Mysteries in the spirit. You don't even understand it. That you're building up yourself. I mean, these incredible things are coming out of my mouth. Without understanding, and so speech and sound that bypasses your mouth, beautiful praise and worship, outflow of a delighted heart. This is good, but Paul says it's really for yourself. So, so, so if the spirit's working, Paul says, I, I want the spirit to work in you. Not against anything that the Holy Spirit's going to do in you. It's a good place to be because the Holy Spirit's the Holy Spirit. and We're not the Holy Spirit. So Paul says, hey, I want the Holy Spirit to be at work. Prophesy, tongues, great. But, you know, prophecy's better. That's because he says we were really loyal to the Spirit. We want to be people we're about the Holy Spirit because we put our trust in Jesus and not in ourselves. We're not trying to build up ourselves. We're trying to have the Holy Spirit bear fruit in us. So he says, Now, brothers, if I come to you speaking in tongues, how will I benefit you unless I bring you some revelation or knowledge or prophecy or teaching? If even lifeless instruments such as the flute or the harp do not give distinct notes, how will anyone know what is played and if the bugle gives an indistinct sound who will get ready for battle so with yourselves if with your tongue you utter speech that is not intelligible how will anyone know what is said for your speaking will be speaking into the air right see if if you speak in tongues says paul how is that a benefit to the church because noise is noise. Right? I mean, it doesn't help if you don't understand a single thing. And I, I don't think it's hard to understand where he's going. He gives these three images, right? says, first, are you playing an instrument? If you're playing an instrument, but you don't play any notes, there's no song. I don't even understand. I just hear noise. If, if there's a if there's a, a battle that needs to come and we all need to call all the people together, and the person who plays the bugle just goes, you don't even understand the notes. Nobody comes. This is like tongues that no one understands. He gives one more illustration. He says, hey, there are doubtless many different languages in the world, and none is without meaning. But if I don't know the meaning of the language, I will be a foreigner to the speaker, and the speaker a foreigner with me. So with yourself, since you're eager for manifestations of the Spirit, strive to excel in building up the church. He says, hey, there's, there's lots of languages, right? But if you don't understand the language, it's a no help to talk to me. Dear friend who speaks Russian, and he comes up and he starts speaking Russian to me. Wow, what you've proved to me is you can speak Russian. But I'm not learning a thing from your speaking of Russian, except maybe to think, wow, you're really smart, you know Russian. It's not building me up, right? But here, hone in on verse twelve. Look at me for a minute. Since you're eager, he says, for the spirit. Hey, I, I want to be. This is it. This is it. Say, okay. I'm, I'm a Christian, and I I get that I have the spirit, and I'm so eager and excited to have the spirit bear fruit in me. And I'm, I'm eager to have the spirit show. I, I I want that. He says, oh, I'm eager for the spirit. So strive to excel in what? Strive to excel in building up the church. Is that interesting? The thought of our lives that we have Christ and we have the Spirit. What's our heart? It's the heart of the Spirit. What does the Spirit want to do? Build up, encourage, console the church. Right? Particularly in this encouragement and consolation and reminding people of Jesus and encouraging people with God is for them. There's fun and interesting ways that we can see needs and come and say, hey, yeah, just as a brother or sister, I so want to come alongside you and I want to hold your hand. You, you went off the ditch in your car. Let me come sit with you and pray with you and be with you and encourage you. Guess what? That's a, that's a work of the Spirit, right? Because the Holy Spirit's about building up the church. what the spirit's about. So he says, therefore, one who speaks in a tongue should pray that he may interpret. For if I pray in a tongue, my spirit prays, but my mind is unfruitful. What am I to do? Well, I will pray with my spirit, but I also pray with my mind also. I will sing praise with my spirit, but I will sing with my mind also. Otherwise, if you give thanks with your spirit, how can anyone in the position of an outsider say amen to your thanksgiving when he does not know what you are saying? For you may be giving thanks well enough, but the other person's not being built up. I thank God that I speak in tongues more than all of you. Nevertheless, in church, I would rather speak five words with my mind in order to instruct others than ten thousand words in a tongue. It's the same thought, right? The, the same thing that he's focused in on that we miss when we start talking about these manifestations of the Spirit, because we're after what's the manifestation and how do we look at it and is it for today? And boy, that's kind of weird. And what's going No, 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 no. The the purpose of the Holy Spirit is that He's working in you and I to do what? Build up the church. And so you can think it through. He says, if, if there's tongues, man, you should pray, you should interpret, because otherwise it's thoughtless. It doesn't build up anybody. There's no understanding. There's no mind involved at all, just the noise of the lips. And if you have no idea of what's going on, then there's, there's no gain. Not building up. So, so he says, hey hey, I'm thankful for tongues, but guess what? Be quiet in the church. Do it at home. Prophecy is greater than tongues. Regular knowledge is greater than tongues. I'd rather speak, isn't, isn't it striking? He'd rather speak five words that can be understood than 10,000 words with a tongue. Jesus Christ is Lord forever. I'd rather just say that than spend an hour getting my, take a little more than an hour maybe unless I talk really fast. To give you 10,000 words you don't understand. Right? That, that's what he's saying. Man, I want to show the Spirit. I want us to. But what Paul's saying, it's worthless to speak in a tongue and not understand. It's better to, to, to be able to speak with clarity about the truth of who Jesus is than, than to speak with no understanding that the person will ever get. So, so what he's doing is he's taking down the self-orientation that we get into with the Spirit. The Spirit's not about proving you're a Christian. You know, there's a big movement in, in just the recent past where, man, if you really want to be a part of our group, you've got to show that you're a Christian. How do I show it? You speak in tongues. Not everyone speaks in tongues. If you do, why, why would you use it as a proof to prove you're a Christian? It's no such thing. Not about showing your great spirituality. It's not about your maturity. It's a, it's a manifestation of the Spirit if it happens. So can the Spirit do anything? Yes. Could the Spirit do that? Yes. But it's not a, oh, look, I've made it into Christendom. That's terrible. So, there is maturity to be had around these issues. Around the Holy Spirit. And it's what Paul is pushing them to be. Us too. He says this. He says, brothers, do not be children in your thinking. Aha. Be infants in evil, but in your thinking be mature. So I want you to be kids about evil. You don't got to go plumb the depths of evil and what it is. and how. You should just get away from evil. But I want you to be mature in these things of the spirit. Understanding how the spirit works. To understand how the Spirit works is to understand what the Spirit is about, what the Holy Spirit is doing. And this, honestly, is where the weird comes in, because we don't understand, so many of us, what the Spirit's doing, and so it all just looks kind of strange. We go astray. Look what he says. He says, hey, in the law it is written, By people of strange tongues and by the lips of foreigners I will speak to this people, and even then they will not listen to me, says the Lord. The tongues, then, are a sign not for believers, but unbelievers, while prophecy is a sign not for unbelievers, but for believers. Think about it. Tongues is a sign for unbelievers. What kind of a sign is it? And he quotes Isaiah. If you go back and look at Isaiah, what God's talking about, he's he's angry at Israel. He's mad at Israel and says, hey, I'm going to go send them foreigners to talk to them. They're not going to listen because they're not even going to understand it. It's going to push them away. They're going to get no understanding. And so if you're going to think of tongues as a mark of what we're going to do in the church, out loud and in public, then you should think of it like that. It's a sign for unbelief. What kind of sign? then would it be a sign of the displeasure of God that they cannot even understand a thing? So the question that Paul has, and I think we would have too, is what kind of sign is that? Is that a sign that we want for people outside? God is mad at you. Stay away. You have no understanding of anything. No, Christ has come. What does Christ say to us and to you and to me? He says, I died for you and I want you to know it. He says, I love you to death and I want you to know it. He doesn't want to say, oh, there's spiritual deep things that you just don't understand. So look, there's babbling tongues, you won't understand it. Guess what every person who's an unbeliever comes in and hears that does? They go away. That's just weird. So if someone's teaching in, t- in tongues and you're out there babbling and people come in a service where everybody's sitting around babbling and they look and they see, and 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 babbling I'm not meaning to, to be derogatory. They're making noise, but it's not mind noise, it's spirit noise. And they're saying, here we are making spirit noise over here. And someone who doesn't know Jesus comes in. What do you think they think of that? They think, no way. No part of that. It's a sign to them, all right. It's a sign of displeasure of God that they have no understanding. You and I may say, oh, wow, you know what? I affirm tongues because it's beautiful. It's love language to God. We're worshiping God over here. But the sign that's being given out is a negative one, not a positive one. It's real. God, God does say to the unbeliever, man, you're a sinner. You need Jesus. But they're not able to process that because there's no understanding given about that message. Just to put off the weirdness. Th- that's what he's going after, right? If you're speaking in tongues, it seems like you're out of your minds because literally you're speaking out of your mind. That's not right, says Paul, even 2,000 years ago when he's talking about a real gift, something not made up, something not untrue, just no one will want to be around you. And the reason why this should happen is a quote from Isaiah. If God was mad at people and wanted them to see his displeasure and go away, no, we want people to hear about Jesus and babbling incoherently doesn't do that at all. If, therefore, the whole church comes together and all speak in tongues and outsiders or unbelievers enter, will they not say that you are out of your minds? Yep. That's a rhetorical question. We also say, yeah, that they do say that. But if all prophesy, And an unbeliever or outsider enters. He's convicted by all. He's called to account by all. And the secrets of his heart are disclosed. And so falling on his face, he will worship God and declare that God is really among you. Oh, to hear the word that diagnoses your sin, that speaks by the power of the Spirit, that enters into your heart. We see our shame and our guilt. We look upon the Son who died for you and for me. This has benefit for the unbeliever too, right? So the aim of the Spirit, to build up the church, there is a Spirit. He knows your deepest secrets. He knows your worst fears. He knows every hidden sin you have. He knows the only hope you have. And He speaks to you out of Christ. He speaks to you by the person who speaks in church. The wonder when conviction comes and the sinner repents. It's in the context of the church being built. So prophecy, it could be the Holy Spirit speaks and convicts you, but some word that gets spoken and the Holy Spirit knows it and it enters into you and it it, it convicts you of something that that you've done or it could be something that's remarkable that goes forward-looking in terms of what might happen. Those things can happen too. But it's not only about that. It's the speaking of truth that's come from a mind that's thinking about what the truth is by the Spirit. Because look at what the Spirit does. This is Galatians 5 to look for through the Spirit. Through the Spirit, we skip over that. We just say, hey, faith, man, by faith, we hopefully eagerly wait for the hope of righteousness. It's it's our trust that we wait for righteousness. No, no, it's through the Spirit, right? The Holy Spirit who's at work in us to, to keep encouraging us and building us up and making sure that we see again and again that it's Christ alone we have hope in. So these gifts. Prophecy in tongues, speech that's a gift from the Holy Spirit. Is it for today? My short answer to you is yes. Rightly understood with an understanding of what we're talking of is the Holy Spirit who indwells every single Christian. He can do what he wants. And you can make the argument, and boy, even people I love make the argument that no, 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 none of these things happened today because it was all about the canon and, and the, the pages of the Bible and the pages of the Bible that ended because at the end of 1 Corinthians 13, there's things that perfect has come and the Bible's perfect. So, so they try and make ties that way, and I'm just telling you, it's not very convincing to me. Talk to me about it sometime. We'll go through it closely together. The Holy Spirit does what He wants. He's amazing. He hits our heart. He he uses you and me. But but what Paul is bringing out today is it may not be what you generally call these gifts of the Spirit because we see them on TV or because they get misused by people who are grabbing after them. Maybe we don't understand what they are or how universal they need to be in different situations. One thing we know, the Holy Spirit is in charge. It's not that you didn't figure out the special formula so you can have this gift. Or you need to figure out the special thing so this happens to you. But the Holy Spirit in you can do things you don't even imagine. You're going to look back and see. Remember that five words you understand is better than 10,000 words in a tongue you don't. And yet at the same time, in this passage, Paul has said, eagerly desire to have tongues, even though it's not very valuable. I, I, I long for you to have it. I want that sign for you, says Paul. I remember my grandma. I talked to her about this once before she died many years ago. She says, yeah, man, when I get so excited about Christ, I feel like things bubble out of me. I make sure it's only at home. Because I don't want people thinking Jesus is weird. But I think that's cool. Yeah, I think that's cool. May he bubble over out of you. May, he, may worship just so imbibe your soul that you burst out with things you don't even think. That's so amazing. Just not here. Why? Because people come in and what will they do? They won't be built up. And therefore the Holy Spirit doesn't do that. It's not about weirdness. It's not about self-proving you have some spirit mark of approval. Hey, if you have delight in your heart and it bubbles over, fantastic. I like it. I'm delighted that your love language is one that I don't understand. I trust you're worshiping God. I won't judge you. We won't judge you. We'll rejoice with you. But it isn't for us in public here. We are about loving each other. If there is some sign of tongues the Holy Spirit decides to do, he'll provide an interpretation. That's what Paul says. Exactly what it means. In fact, probably it'll be someone unbelievered language and say, "Wow, you're speaking in my native tongue, like in the book of Acts. That was cool, right? Here's the main thing. Did you catch it? What's the heart of the Holy Spirit who is real and in us? What's his heart? It, it's for the church. The church is us. It's for upbuilding," he said. That means making you mature and holding fast to the truth of the Bible. Not moving around and uncertain of Christ's love for you. Whether you're holy enough or good enough or strong enough, Christ is for you. Your identity is strong and sure and we do it together to encourage each other in that. And that's the second thing, encouragement, right? The Holy Spirit encourages us to hold on to Jesus. Touch somebody today. Encourage them because you're encouraged by Jesus. It's not required. It's not the law. It's the Holy Spirit. And the third thing was consolation. Be with the hurt. There are so many hurts. Oh, if you would know the story of each and every person in this room even, that we need each other to, for consolation when difficulties happen and struggles and loss and pain and death and depression and anxiety and sadness, consolation, there it is. Go sit with them. Be with them. Because you're the presence of God for other people. Prophecy is better, says Paul. He's talking about insightful application of the proclamation of the Word of God. And, and I'm I, I am saying it's what we do here on Sunday mornings. It's prophetic. It's understood by your mind. Man, would you get into this? Would you do it for people? Is tell them about the Bible, speak with knowledge. They would listen to great Podcasts, man. I can recommend some to you sometime if you man, I want to listen to something really edifying and upbuilding and consoling and building up. Yeah, yeah, we got it. Let's do it. Because the Holy Spirit's at work using insight and thoughtfulness of other people to proclaim the gospel to you. Occasionally it might have elements of future or supernatural or insight that seems beyond the ordinary, but it's the declaration of truth and it is not ordinary. That's why we're teaching truth. we're teaching the truth, but we're teaching church, right? We're about the truth, about content, because prophecy is better than tongues. Okay. The Holy Spirit, you guys, (laughs) He is real. Whether you sense Him or not, whether you have a feeling or not, whether you speak in tongues on your own, whether you speak words of amazing things you don't even really understand. The truth is the Holy Spirit is using you in every moment for the things that he has for you in your day right now. You don't need to become some super Christian. You're the most super Christian you can ever be because you have the Holy Spirit. Be encouraged. Stand here with me by the Spirit in faith in the hope of the coming Christ that we have.